This is DC Beat, Episode 2, July 11th, 2017, a new NAFTA for the digital age. This episode of DC Beat is brought to you by TIA's Capitol Hill Event Series, convening policymakers and industry experts to discuss how advancing connectivity and innovation will empower consumers and businesses, generate investment and economic growth, and spur job creation across the country. Learn more at TIAonline.org. Hi, this is Casey Swanson. I'm Director of Global Policy here with the Telecommunications Industry Association, and we're talking today about the outlook for NAFTA and how an update could benefit the U.S. technology industry. I have with me Barry Jackson, who is Chief of Staff to former House Speaker John Boehner and is now an advisor at Brownstein Hyatt, and Jen Stanford, who is Director, International Trade and Energy Policy at Cisco. Thank you both for joining us. Jim, for for an industry take on this, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit more from your standpoint about how much NAFTA means to the uh, technology industry here in the U.S. and why we should care about changes to NAFTA. So NAFTA has been an unequivocal success, I think, for the high-tech sector. At the time it was negotiated, it really was a groundbreaking agreement um, covering areas like standards and government procurement and other t- other areas that weren't covered in other types of agreements. Um, And, you know, the market truly has become global. The reality within the industry is that the supply chain truly is integrated, particularly here in North America. Um, As we know, Canada and Mexico are the U.S.'s largest trading partners. There's a reason for that. We move not only finished goods across borders, but also components and um, sub-assemblies back and forth across the borders and really to help make the industry more cost competitive. So I think that um, that kind of duty-free treatment that we have now that we need to maintain should really um, uh, continue under the new modernized NAFTA. And I think that um, it's not just a question of goods. We're uh, We're trading services as well. And I'll just say for Cisco, we actually have a dedicated fiber line between our Research Triangle Park facility and our Technical Assistance Center in Mexico City. And I think it just kind of shows the ties that are binding the two economies um, and how NAFTA can really help to reinforce those ties. And to that point about integration, I, I recall um, reading about when, when NAFTA was negotiated that U.S. the U.S. wanted to make sure that Mexico, which is you know which is close to us and seen as a as a close ally, it was part of that chain. As if they they thought that through NAFTA, there more content would be coming through Mexico as opposed to coming out of China. I mean, I think that was baked in there all along, which is an interesting point that sometimes I think gets gets overlooked. Uh, to put this in just a little bit of a political perspective, Barry, I wonder if you can talk a little bit that there are a lot of issues on the table right now, health care, potential tax reform, and kind of a limited window of time here with the Mexican presidential election, uh, which will be heating up, uh, I guess, starting toward the end of the year, heading into next year. I think it happens next July. Um, for NAFTA to be re- renegotiated, a lot of that discussion will happen, t- will need to happen, uh, be wrapped up kind of by the end of the year. So talk a little bit about top priorities for the GOP and where NAFTA fits in there. Right. So, um, you know, I think if you ask most members just in a general way, they would say NAFTA is like number 29 on a list of 10 issues. Um, 
the folks that are interested in trade, the folks that know that their district or state is particularly impacted, they're watching this. But a lot of this is out of their hands. It's up, it's up to the president and Ambassador Lighthizer and Secretary Ross and everybody else to actually get the thing rolling. Which So when they publish next week um, the, the objectives of the, of the negotiations and then trigger the formal negotiations come August after the public back and forths, uh, this, there's, there's not a technical clock that runs in that sense. So if you think about they have to get appropriations done. They'd like to get a tax bill done because I think a lot of Republicans see it as an existential issue. We've got to be able to deliver on this. But if the, if the negotiations are proceeding, NAFTA becomes a must-do. And, and here's the things that I, I think about. Your point about the Mexican election is critical. Um, the Mexican presidential election is in July next year. Um, but the, the chattering class, if you will, is looking, how can we get this pretty much wrapped up by the end of the year before both the Mexican presidential campaign gets really heated and you get down to the two prime candidates? and before the primary start in the House and Senate here in the United States. Because, because people that understand this issue also understand how easy it is to demonize and get into the, you're a tree hugger, you're a polluter, you know, you're a, you, know you believe in protectionism, you want to seal borders, that kind of, you got to get pa past that opportunity. The, the thing that the, the hard date that is important, though, is June 30th of next year when TPA uh, technically expires. And I wouldn't think that Congress would not allow the renewal if the president asked for it. But I think the more critical date, frankly, that that if you if I was in the White House, I'd be paying attention to, is that in mid-November the APEC meeting. So everybody was that that were kind of free traders, if I can use that, were very upset when the president announced that the United States was pulling out the Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement. Um, well, the other partner countries are still moving right along. At the APEC meeting, it's going to be the first time where all of them come back together as heads of government or heads of state. And I think the administration would do well to be able to walk into APEC and say, look, my two buddies, Pinetto and Trudeau, we've got things all worked out. We're moving right ahead. So all the rest of you guys at the table, we're open for business. And Jen, if, hoping that that may be the case, um, what are some of the uh, top priorities for the IT industry as you see it? Well, I'd start um, really with some of the so-called digital trade issues that have been spelled out in the Trade Promotion Authority legislation. Um, such as know that governments are prohibited from um, preventing the cross-border flow of data. Governments are prohibited from requiring local um, storage and processing of data. And we've seen those we've seen those threats crop up in countries like like China, which is which has caused a lot of uh, a lot of concern for our, some of our member companies. That's right, and and NAFTA could really help us to create some new norms in that sector in that aspect of the agreement, um, as well as looking at things like um, source code. So prohibiting governments from requiring the disclosure of a source code as a condition of market access, which we've seen in some other countries. 
Um, Jen, I wonder if we could talk a little bit more about some of the other priority issues aside from the new digital trade rules, which are, which are as we agree, very important. Well, we're, we talk um, about some APEC rules, in fact, uh, with respect to um, privacy rules. And we'd like to see some compatibility between um, the privacy rules um, within the United States, Canada, and Mexico through the adoption of the APEC CBPRs. Cross-border privacy rules, yeah. And I know um, ITA membership of, of Mexico is another, is another important issue for some of our members. Right, so getting Mexico to join the Information Technology Agreement has been a major priority for the tech sector for quite some time, since the, the agreement was negotiated, frankly, back in 1995. Um, Mexicans, for their own reasons, have chosen not to uh, join the ITA in the past. And we think now is the perfect opportunity when it's clear that the United States has joined the ITA, Canada has joined the ITA, it's really time for Mexico to step up and join the ITA as well. Great. Well, um, there's a lot on the on the uh, agenda, certainly, for a NAFTA renegotiation, at least from our member standpoint. Um, and we would love to see some of this uh, some of this good stuff actually happen. Although, as Barry has has explained, there's a lot there's a lot of uh, there are a lot of other priorities on the agenda. But we'll we'll uh, certainly hope for the best and keep working for this and be active on the Hill. Well, thank you very much. Really appreciate both of you joining us here today. Thanks, Casey. Thanks for having me, Casey. For more than 90 years, TIA has been at the intersection of access and influence. As a nonprofit organization, TIA engages regularly with key policymakers and influencers on behalf of our members, providing timely intelligence on important legislative and regulatory issues impacting your business. For more information on how to get involved and the benefits of membership, go to TIAonline.org. Thank you.